How do I sound to you guys? Sound good. Sound good to me. Yeah. Hey guys, just make sure you, you give me one of these. I'm going too fast. <laughs> I need the accountability. <laughs> All right. No, you you could keep you could go. Okay. Like yeah, this is why you're here, man. Like gotcha. you you had a lot to say the other day, and I was like, you know what? Well, he just got to come on the podcast. Yeah. So, who is Mr. Kevin Span? <sighs> He's a complicated <laughs> man. Uh, Kevin Span um, is a Long Island kid. Uh, uh, I'm a I'm a love story. My parents are from Wyandotte, New York. Uh, they're my dad's class of 1980. My mom's class of 1985. Um, they met on Straight Path, and um, you know I'm a love child. You know um, my dad has older siblings. My mom older siblings, and I. 41st cousins in Wyandanche, and um, I grew up in a basketball family. Um, I had a great community support around me, you know, grandparents and aunts and uncles and community leaders. And um, by five years old, my dad had a chance to um, grow his career in Chicago. It was in 1991, I kind of left the community that raised me, and it was just me and my 22-year-old mom, my 25-year-old dad, and we packed up a Nissan Maxima. We moved to Chicago in 91. Mm-hmm. And it was an adventure for all of us. What um, kind of business? Allstate Insurance. So uh, this is one of the top insurance companies built in 1950. It's dad's legacy. And um, we moved to Deerfield, Illinois. And my dad's job was right next to the Chicago Bulls facility. So I moved to Chicago at the start of Michael Jordan's birth before his six championships. Wow. Um, you know, Chicago was pretty rough because of the gang violence, what was going on. I was... Uh, it's a culture shock for me because now I didn't have the, the big brothers, the cousins, the uncles to kind of like look after. So you have to really smarten up fast, you know, from Rottweilers chasing you to gangs to the right, gangs to the left, and just a different kind of community with a lack of resources. You know, there weren't enough jobs for the people. Um, you know, it wasn't a lot of diversity. You know, it was just mostly black and Spanish. Um, but I lived in a suburb for a year and I moved to the hood for a year. So mm-hmm. um, it was hard for me at five, six years old to adjust. I was very quiet. I didn't know anybody. Um, my teachers thought I might have been dyslexic. You know, I didn't talk. Um, you know, and it was just me and my mom while my dad worked. We we shared a car, so we dropped my dad off. But the best part was that we dropped my dad off. Me and my mom would wait and see Scottie Pippen come to the arena, and and Horace Grant and B.J. Armstrong, and I just wait for Michael every time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what year was that? 1991, 92. Wow. Yeah, crazy. so I'd see Michael with a cigar. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Michael Jordan, mom. Mm-hmm. And you know, so those years in Chicago, uh, a lot of um, bumps and bruises. My parents were amazing entrepreneurs my mom did Mary Kay my dad sold paintings you know they taught me at a young age the value of entrepreneurship you know I didn't get an allowance they taught me the business he said hey you want a pair of those hundred dollar shoes go wash 10 cars for ten dollars each you know you want those pair of jeans that the rappers have go cut grass Mm -hmm. so there was no job I wasn't willing to do at a very young age um I made my own Reese's peanut butter cups (laughs) with like Hershey's (laughs) chocolate and peanut butter and I froze it and Mm -hmm. I'd sell them for 50 cents uh, because um, the ones in the store were a dollar. So I'm over here, like, beating the competition in <laughs> third or fourth grade. Um, I have a first cousin. Um, it's my mother's sister. Her son, his name is Eric Williams. So he's my maternal first cousin. We're two years apart, but he was 6'5 in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So he's a giant, gentle giant. And um, he moved to Chicago with us. So my Aunt Deborah and my cousin Eric. It's a great experience. Now a big brother. You know, and now I'm not getting bullied as much at school because I got, uh, you know, I got... Andre the Giant next to me. 6'5"? Mm-hmm. 6'5 in fifth grade. He's wow. huge. So his mom is 5'11". My mom's about 5'8". His dad's 6'4". My dad's about 5'11". His maternal grandma is 6'6". Six, six. My maternal grandma is 5'1". So genetically, even though we're two years apart, he looks like my dad. You know, he's walking around yeah. with me. 
And it was great because my cousin was a very creative kid. He played video games. He had artwork. He was creative. But I just loved basketball. So he'd come to the park just to, like, protect me and make sure I wasn't getting bothered. He started liking the game, too. Um, by fourth and fifth grade, my cousin was the most touted big man in Chicago by fifth grade. So teams are knocking on our doors. We want him to come play in our tournament. And so now in 1997, we meet the term Amateur Athletic Union, AAU. <laughs> Like that, what the hell is AAU? That's a chance for young kids, 11, 12, 13, and under, to travel a three state radius and play the top competition. So, my cousin being a big guy, I mean, we had, you know, University of Illinois coming to his middle school, University of DuPaul coming to the middle school. I've never seen this before. Wow. They're giving him shoes, they're giving him sweatsuits. He was incredible. Yeah. Fast forward, my cousin went to Wake Forest University. It's amazing. He was a McDonald's All American in 2002. Wow. And he <laughs> barely knew basketball. He was just that talented. So he played with Carmelo Anthony, yeah, Chris Bosh, Jason yeah. Frazier, right? Amari Stoudemire, J.J. Redick. And guess what? After his McDonald's game in 02, you know, and the family's on going to Penn Station watching play, he's like, my, my name is Kevin. He calls me Kevin. He's like, Kevin, I'm a top 24 <laughs> player in the country. Yeah, Eric, I knew that 10 years ago. You just found out now. And he was my big brother, man. He was my mentor, my muse. And uh, he went to Wake Forest. He played with Chris Paul. So the following year, Chris Paul's McDonald's American in New York. Chris Paul's parents are staying at my parents' house because we just did it the year before. So I met Chris when he was in high school. Wow. And then Eric ended up marrying Ish Smith's sister, Salethia Smith. So Ish Smith is my cousin-in-law. He plays for the Charlotte Hornets right now. That's just my North Carolina <laughs> family, world. small world. Yeah. You know, so Eric inspired me in ways where now I'm a little guy, but I'm learning really fast. I'm learning the terminology of competitive AAU basketball you know, down screens and curl cuts and flare screens, and I'm learning the mm -hmm. game at a rapid rate. I'm also watching Michael Jordan highlights every single day. Sure. And how old are you at this time? 11. Okay, <laughs> yay. <laughs> you know, and so we're playing for a program called Rising Star, and it's in uh, Lake Forest, Illinois. And um, we're in the suburbs, but every quarter we play in the city. You know, now you get those dogs, those Pat Beverly's, those Dwayne Wade's, those Andre Iguodala's. These are our competition. Sean Livingston was my competition from fourth to seventh grade. <laughs> I probably played Sean four times a year. And every year he grew three inches and I didn't grow at all. I forgot about that guy. Yeah, so Sean Livingston was ahead of his time. I mean, he's a 6'6 yeah. six, six point guard with a jump shot. But every time I played him, it's like, all right, we play Sean in March, get ready. We play Sean in June, get ready. But when I see him, he's a shooting coach in fifth grade working on his phone. He has a stretch coach. Right? He has a special diet. Like, I'm like, what the? <laughs> Sean's a we'll pro. Shoe companies. Yeah? Yeah. And now it gets real interesting because by sixth or seventh grade, now I'm playing for the Illinois Heat, and we're one of the top Adidas AU programs. And my coach, Terry Head, he was a Westinghouse product. If you guys know Hersey Hawkins, he was a shooting guard for Gary Payton in 96. Hersey Hawkins went to Westinghouse, right? Very rich history in Chicago. Nick Anderson, um, Tim Hardaway Sr., you know, these are all the guys in Chicago come back. Isaiah Thomas teaching us the game. We we'll go to all the camps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. El Paso. Uh, El Paso. Crossover. Yeah, mm -hmm. Texas two-step. UTEP two-step. Mm -hmm. Boop, boop. You know, so I'm learning these things. And my parents are still from Long Island, so I go visit. Every three months, I go home, visit grandma back in Long Island, but I'm better every time I come home. All my cousins in New York are like, how is Kevin getting this much better every three months? Mm -hmm. And then they found out that Michael Jordan's sons, Jeffrey and Marcus, they're younger than me. They were in the same program. You know, they weren't that good. But Michael has a big old house down the street from our gym with the 23 on the gate, you know, watching his nannies drop the kids off. So all of it so, felt so surreal to me that it felt like I belonged, to be honest with you. Um, by seventh grade, um, I was a top 25 kid in Chicago. You know, so now, like, the high school coach is like, hey, let's move him up to JV, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. 
my 15 year old friends and I'm 13, they're like, you're better than us. Then my 18 year old friends are like, we need you. <laughs> so it's different from, you know, 10 years old, you're shooting by yourself in the rain. <laughs> by 13, 18 year olds like, hey, come play with us. <laughs> okay. It made me mature faster because I was hanging around older guys. Um, my love for the game kept me away from trouble. You know, I didn't really do the things my friend did. You know, once in a while, you steal some bikes, you go steal some candy, you do something like that. So it was like silly stuff. But my love for the game, I only had games every Saturday. So my preparation for Saturday started like Wednesday mm -hmm. of watching the film and Pete Maravich and Bob Cousy and Nate Archibald. Like I was a historian at a young age. Wow. I'm trying to be better than the best point guards ever at 11. Um, by eighth grade, we won a national championship, the Illinois Heat. And we were playing some tough guys, but we were small. I was probably 5'5 five, five in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And um, my tallest guy was 5'11. And we played the Atlanta Celtics. And it's the Adidas team from Georgia with Dwight Howard, wow. Al Hawford, right? Tony Douglas, uh, 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 Travis Outlaw. Now, these guys in eighth grade are 6'5 to 6'9, <laughs> dunking everything. <laughs> but the funny part was big guys think slow. They can't dribble. Elephants are afraid of mice for a reason. <laughs> we know how to attack the hips and the kneecaps. We're a full-court pressing team. When we score, we full-court press. We score, we full-court press. We ended up beating the Celtics by 30 points, and the whole gym was quiet because the midgets beat the Giants. <laughs> they couldn't dribble. Yeah. We were too fast, right? And so that gave me so much confidence. Now we're playing the New York Gauchos, one of the top teams in New York from the Bronx, Rod Strickland, Kenny Anderson, their teams. And Chicago kids aren't afraid of New York kids. You know, we're not afraid of the big flair and the – Fancy sneakers and the cool moves because yeah, it's a rivalry. Like. In Chicago, you play or you die. That's the mentality. You know, either you win or you play again. You play again. You play again. You keep coming back. So like I said Pat Beverly, his his tenacity. Tony Allen, Kobe Bryant said Tony Allen's his best competitor from Chicago. Dwayne Wade is from Chicago, and there's a certain level of frequency where it's like, I lose this game, I lose it all. Yeah, there's a different level of grit that yeah. comes from a place like that. It is because we have nothing else. Yeah. They call us Chirac. I'll tell you this, Candyman is from Chicago, Cabrini Green. I'll tell you, Candyman. I was scared to shower for three years as a kid because of Candyman. <laughs> and my cousin would turn the light off, lock the door, Candyman, Candyman, I'd run out. <laughs> so Chicago had a certain toughness to it. And um, by eighth grade, I knew I was going to Division One. You know, I'm going into eighth grade. I just won a national championship, which means of 372 teams in the country, that's about, you know, eight to ten teams per state. And we're all going to Florida, you know, the, the Disney Resort, Disney ESPN. Yeah, you know, there's big a big deal, deal because they're, the shoe company's trying to figure out who's a Nike kid, yeah, who's an Adidas kid, who's a Reebok kid. You know, it's based on your region. Yeah. So, yeah. So coming into eighth grade, I'm probably the most mature I've ever been. I'm 13 going mm -hmm. on 35. And my parents tell me that, hey, we're moving back to Long Island. And I'm like, what? I got University of Illinois and DuPaul and Kansas State. You guys can move back to New York. I'm going to stay with Coach Terry or, or Coach Roslin or Coach, you know, Coach Fred. <laughs> so it was hard for me because my grandparents were getting older. How old were you then? 13 going on 14. Yeah. So in 1999 going in 2000, to hard. Yeah, I'm dating girls three years older than me because, you know, mm -hmm. I'm more mature. I got a mustache now. <laughs> I'm playing varsity in eighth grade. Um, the level of respect I'm getting in the, at the local barbershop um, and the articles I had on my wall. Like, I was already bigger than life in my mind. And now to move to New York was one of the hardest things ever. Was and it intimidating? It wasn't intimidating. It's was it almost like building a business and then have to start over in a whole other demographic. Yeah. Um, and then December 23rd is my mother's birthday. 
I go see my cousin play in North Carolina, and he's like bigger than he's tenth grade. I'm in eighth grade. My cousin's dominating in North Carolina. That's where his dad's from. And as I come back from this tournament, my best friend died of lupus. Damn. And um, that's the only thing that still makes me emotional because this was a kid that I met in kindergarten to eighth grade, and yeah. he would rebound for me. You know, he'd tell me, man, we, we're, we're going to make it one day. His name was Ladion Thompson. And, um, you know, his his cousins were in one of the toughest gangs in the neighborhood. They took care of me. They always watched over me, and I never had any problems. And so I came back, and um, my classmates called me up and said, you know, he's gone. I said, wow. I just seen him Friday. It's Monday. Lupus. You know? Lupus. Yeah, he died of lupus. So um, going to that funeral was uh, – Feels like yesterday, and it's been 23 years. Wow! And uh, when I play, I think of him. You know that he's not here no more. So losing him, and then uh, my dad getting a, a better position in New York. He's now uh, you know one of the top sales managers. My dad had to leave early. Like, hey, you got to finish eighth grade. I'm going back home to set up shops. So it's you and your mom and your kid brother. And that was hard six months of my life because. I'm closing something that I'm not ready to close yet. Yeah. And that created a different kind of kid on the court. It's a hard, hard age. Uh, so now at 13, um, there's no smiles. There's no, uh, you know, orange slices <laughs> at halftime. Your rebellion was on the court, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it was off the court and on the court. You know, I wasn't yeah. focused in school. I was, you know, a bit of an asshole. You know, I was very cold. And so I knew I had six months left to finish everything I started. And, um, you know, now I was a different kid because um, I was able to tap into a different piece of pain. There's two types of pain. There's one that hurts and one that adapts you. And so by losing my best friend, saying bye to a, the toughest city in the country that raises you, I was ready to take on New York in a different way. And my competition was Sebastian Telfair. Wow. That was mm -hmm. Stephon Marbury's cousin. He was number one in my class. Jared Smith was number two. Dwight was number three. And I wanted all of them. <laughs> I studied them everything so by the time I moved to New York in June of 2000 I have all the receipts um nobody knew me in in June of 2000 by August I was top 35 in the state I was pissed I would be top 10 you know and so my dad's like hey you're going to North Babylon in high school Dude, what, the, what, the, what the hell is North Babylon mm -hmm. uh, I got two six six guys I don't care how tall he is I care about heart not height so now I'm enrolling to North Babylon high school it's challenging for me because the first time I've seen like interracial dating you know, where I'm from, if you even talk to a woman that don't look like you, you Emmett Till happens. You know, it's an angry dad that, you know, okay, don't be coming to my house. So it's different for me. Um, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. You know, you see, you do not see interracial dating in Chicago yeah. at all. No Spanish and black, no white and black, no nothing. And so I get to North Babylon. Everybody's dating everybody. Yeah. Mm. Second thing I saw was there were a lot of multi-sport athletes. Guys play football in the fall and then basketball in the winter and wrestling in the spring. That makes me better than you because I'm putting more hours in than you. Um, guys cared about fashion in New York. You know, I don't wear the same shoes every day. I'm watching guys with a shoe collection and switching their jeans up. What are you guys, fashion designers? I'm a hooper. Hmm. So I had a different level of confidence. Um, and I played with the New York Gauchos because we had beat them in Chicago. So my coach gave a phone call. The Gauchos coach knew who I was. He said, oh, that Chicago kid, the, the tough kid? Yeah, bring him in. And now I'm on new turf. It's kind of like transferring jails. You go from this yeah. jail to that jail. Mm -hmm. so you got to knock out the toughest guy when you get here. And those guys knew me, like, oh, that's that's the defensive guy that is fast. So I earned some respect real fast. I didn't start, which bothered me, but, you know, coming off the bench, 
I learned a lot in the Gauchos, and I kind of earned a little name in Queens. I played at IS8 in Queens. I played at a tournament called UDC. How did you get to these places? Uh, I took a train by myself. My dad drove me. Yeah. <laughs> so at 14, I'm taking the Penn Station to Grand Central to Grand Concourse, walking four blocks at 14 <laughs> to go to practice to come back home at midnight because it's not tougher than Chicago, you know? Yeah. Even like the culture, you know, New York guys like slap boxing. Oh, see what you got, see what you got. Chicago, we got guns. So if you're in a court shooting around your friend, pop, 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 you just duck and roll. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you want to fight me, give me a warning, I have an advantage. You know, I never had that before. I just had to hide. Um, but going to North Babylon High School, the first thing I did was go to the varsity coach. And this is like literally everything I'm going to tell you guys right now is the dead honest truth. His name was Jack Loff. You know, he had a couple of guys like 1983 at Derek Brower, 6'9", Syracuse. Uh, Barry Baker is like my second cousin. Barry was a stud football and bass player in 1989. And I said, I'm here to break all the records. And I, I, I need to know who your varsity point guard is right now so I can kick his ass. And the guy literally looked at me like, <laughs> you're a 5'9 shrimp. I'm 6'4". Mm -hmm. Hey, freshman trials is like next week. Let's start you there. Mm. Okay. And so Dwayne Ferris uh, was my freshman coach. He's to this day my, my mentor, my big brother. He was a recent St. John's graduate. Great shape. This guy's built like, you know, Black Panther. And he knew my hunger. And I said, hey. Heard you're a, a freshman coach and you know how to train kids. I'm ready for a workout. You took me on the track. All right, you got 800s. You got 50 push-ups. You got high stairs. This kid's different. You have any more workouts? You haven't had water yet. I'm a Campbell. I don't need no water. Our first freshman game, Danny Green's in eighth grade. So Danny's like, who's a Chicago kid? You know, I'm like, hey, I heard you're pretty good. And your dad's like the local coach guy. How about you work out with me? Well, I have football practice, not anymore. I have track, not anymore. Let's come roll with me. And, you know, Mr. Green was great because he had gym access, you know. So I met Jerry Powell, who's basketball results at 14. So between Jerry Powell and Coach Ferris, Mr. Green, our first freshman game, we played Brentwood, and they had won the state championship. They haven't lost in four years. Yeah, I'm from Brentwood. Okay, we, we won the first game by 43 points. Yeah. And I mean, Mr. Ferris. What Barry, year was that? 2000. Okay. So we beat the hell out of Brentwood. So it was like <laughs> Al, Alvin Vivican and uh, who's a big guy? John Garcia. They were the freshmen. We beat them by 43. And Mr. Ferris called the JV coach. This kid can't play freshman. It's embarrassing. He took the ball from kids five times in a row. Mm -hmm. Now, JV, I have the current varsity coach, Brendan McCaffrey, 6'5". He's built like Ken and Ryu from, from Mortal, uh, mm -hmm. Street Fighter. Yeah. All chess, 6'5". He played D1 at Canisius. He goes, hey, hey, shrimp, I heard you. You're pretty good. Well, now you're on the JV team. Let's see what you got. And, you know, he's teaching me the game. Great coach. And we play Uniondale in the scrimmage. I'm the I'm the young guy. They gave me the smallest shorts and the biggest jersey. Nothing mm -hmm. matches, right? And I didn't play the first half. Like he just kept me on the bench to humble me up a little bit, you know. And we're losing by like 20 points to Uniondale. But these guys suck. It's just that our guys are scared and they're timid. They can't go left. And so I asked Mr. McCaffrey. I said, Hey, can I talk to the guys at halftime and you just step outside real quick? And he's like, What are you gonna say? You can't hear that. I need you to just step outside and I lock the door. And in Chicago, it's called a gut check. Right, you take the biggest guy on the team and you tackle his ass. You sweep him on the floor, right, and you put your arm on his chest, and you say, "If you guys are gonna play like this, stay in the locker room. I need four guys with nuts. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to play hard, stay in here. I'm gonna play hard, and I'm gonna do something to get this 20 point deficit." And so uh, we came out. Those guys were different when they came out. And That's I said, what you did. Yeah, and I said, "Coach, if you just give me a chance to play defense, I do can come back in the game." All right, spin, get one shot. I had five steals in a row. We ended up a 20 point deficit, 20 by 10. And once again, there's no high, there's no low. It's just, I got to get to where I got to get to. And then the JV coach called the vice coach. He can't play JV. 
He just beat the shit out of the tallest guy on the team. I don't know how he did it. And now the varsity coach is like, shit, this kid's going to make me eat my words. Mm-hmm. Hey, Coach Loft, it's me. The kid that you told me to start freshman, I'm not a freshman at JV no more. So North Babylon had a great football team history. Terry Manning, one of the top coaches ever. These guys are great athletes. You know, so um, I ended up going to varsity tryouts. And I'm watching the head coach go, hey, let's, let's rough him up a little bit, see what he got. I'm 5'9", 145. I like contact. So when these guys are hand-checking and pulling my jersey, I punch them right in the nuts. <laughs> oh, you okay? Right? The 6'6 six, six guys. Right? Right here in the soft part under the rib during the rebound. Oh! Rebound. Right? And, hey, let's press them. Right? You two guys, your, your legs open. Your left foot split you guys. Patching the butt on the way there. Score. After that first practice, the starting point guard said, hey, how about I go to the shooting guard? And he plays a point guard. I started my first game. <laughs> I had 21 points in my first varsity game. Wow. Newsday said the new kids in town. I have those articles. <laughs> you know, and after that, uh, Danny Green's in eighth grade. My friend Raheem Vanderbilt, the current varsity coach, is in eighth grade. I pull those guys up with me because we live in the same area. So you have a ninth grader and two eighth graders kicking 12th graders' asses, and we win a league championship. And at that point, the community realized, okay, this kid's not fucking around. So I transferred to St. John the Baptist. Because at that time in 2000, where's that? West Islip. Okay. There's seven Catholic schools in Long Island. Uh, you have St. John the Baptist, West Islip. You have St. Anthony's, local around you guys. You have Chaminade. You have Kellenberg. You have Holy Trinity. But the top two are St. Dominic's and St. Mary's. And that's in, you know, Manhasset and Oyster Bay. For basketball. The reason why is because Catholic school has better academics, you get better SAT scores. As you're more disciplined because you're wearing a uniform and it's very strategic. College coaches want discipline in the classroom and structure on the court. Unfortunately, public school is like run of the mill. You know, most great jocks don't go to class. So by sacrificing that, I'm now in my third school in three years. You know, it's like nine black kids at St. John the Baptist, you know, and uh, the sports are very rig- rig- rigorous, you know, college level um, practices, which is great. And I learned a lot going to St. John the Baptist, you know. Um, and I had great teammates. They all went, you know, Division One, Division Two, um, and so it was a great career there. But Daniels was come with me, you know, and the tuition was like five thousand dollars a year. And I knew a couple of alumni that was going to help out, maybe pay half. But uh, Tim Cluse, legendary coach at Iona St. Mary's, Tim Cluse at St. St. Mary's, and Tim Cluse found some money for Danny and his brother Rashad that I couldn't find, so wow. he went to St. Mary's. <clears throat> my best friend is now my rival, mm, and now nice. Danny's in Manhattan, but he's taking a bus to a train to a bus from North Babylon to Manhasset every day from sophomore to senior year. So, and he's coming, he's leaving house at 5 a.m. He's coming home at midnight. It's dedication. So when people say, oh, you guys have no idea. Like Danny Green didn't have a regular childhood Mm -hmm. on the weekends. I'm making him shoot a thousand jumpers with me. So he grew from 6'1 to 6'6 in three years and became one of the top 10 players in the country. And he was number two at Mary's. But this was separated me and Danny. My godfather, Gary Charles, was an Adidas guy. Come right back to the shoes. <laughs> now we could talk about what shoes mean for AAU. Um, it's a man named Sonny Vaccaro, and he's like an Italian, Italian mafia, Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny, they have a Big East 30 for 30 called the Big East Requiem. Sonny's job was to help market share for shoes. In the 70s, there'd be too many shoes in a store, which fan knows what. Sonny was able to help college coaches get shoes on the players for TV games. So John Thompson, Georgetown, you guys wear Nike. 
Jim Beheim, Syracuse, you guys were Nike. Mm -hmm. You're increasing market share because of the NCAA tournament. So if you put the shoes on the kids who are student athlete and denture servants, the coaches go from 50000 a year to a million dollars a year because shoes are selling and the colleges now get equity. Sonny introduced Phil Knight to Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Introduced Kobe Bryant to Adidas and LeBron to Nike. It's all documented. My godfather, Gary Charles, works for Sonny. So Gary had one of the top Long Island Panther AAU teams. We had Tim Doyle and Jason Frazier and Charlie Villanueva and Joe Kim Noah and Danny Green and me. And people were like, how do you get on that team? You got to kind of know some people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Him and my dad did boat rides back in the 80s. You know, just good friends. They, uh, you know, they brokered tickets for concerts. Mm -hmm. So Gary Charles grew up under Dr. J and Roosevelt. And uh, he dated my aunt, you know, so I just got really lucky. Sometimes yeah. you need a little luck. Small world, man. Small mm -hmm. world. So Gary's like, hey, I got the Chicago kids, like my nephew. It's pretty tough. And I was 14. I mean, I was 15 now playing with 18-year-olds. He's like, Kevin, your time's going to come in two years. We can learn. <laughs> so I was humble because I'm playing with the top players in the country. Daryl Hill, who went to St. John's University, 2,000-point scorer. I'm like Daryl Hill's backup, backup. But I'm okay with it because in practice, I'm getting better. I'd rather guard Big East players in high school than play for the Silver Bullets or the yeah, you know, sure. Long Island uh, Lightning and be the man. That's how you get better. You get better by getting your ass kicked. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning our ass kicked for nine months, we're dominant for three months. Mm -hmm. Ass kicked for nine months, dominant for three months. Your junior year, you stop getting your ass kicked. And now Mr. Green, Danny's dad, we're playing in men's leagues at 16, 17. We're ringers. I got a goatee and Danny's 6'5". Mm -hmm. You know, hey, we're 35 with wives. But we're playing against mm -hmm. adults. We never played kids our age. That wasn't our job. Um, and so with playing AAU, we had national exposure. Me and Danny played in tournaments in Texas and North Carolina and Vegas and L.A. And we're playing in front of all the top Division One. So we took it very seriously. Our grades were great. Our fathers were very disciplined. You know, do your SAT, do your Regents, and then go right to the court, come back home, get your shots up, eat this, eat that. So we weren't normal kids. There was no Sweet 16. Yeah. There was no dating. <clears throat> I didn't do you miss any of that? Do you, like, wish you had any? No, absolutely not. Because I was okay with delayed gratification. I studied Mike Tyson. I studied Muhammad Ali. Who the hell is supposed to be cool at 16? Who's supposed to have money at 20? Yeah. You know, who's supposed to have a car at 18? You're not supposed to have that stuff because you get instant gratification. Mike Tyson was, what, 17? He was, but at 13, mm. he didn't even know how to fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he put that work in, yeah. right, with Cusimano. So I knew that me being a Division One athlete at 5'11 was more important than being cool at 15. You know? That's discipline. That's discipline. And my yeah. mom's a housewife. I can't bring no girls home. You know, my dad owns a business. You know, he's, he's keeping me sharp. So I wasn't allowed to be normal. Yeah. And I didn't want to be normal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now uh, when it's college time, my senior year, I led – Long Island the scoring at 5'11", and A.J. Price was my competition. Mm -hmm. A.J. Price had a great NBA career. Good news is A.J. Price in Amityville, uh, A.J. was so good they'd be up 30 points in the third quarter. He would never play the fourth, mm -hmm. and he scored 32 points a game. Mm -hmm. I played the fourth, so I had to score 35. So A.J. was my mm -hmm. comp. Nick Carter, the son of uh, you know the late great Reggie Carter, Nick Carter was a great player at Walt Whitman. His dad was an NBA. So I had two guys that were my muses. What's A.J. doing? What's What's Nick doing? Okay, what can I do? Yeah. And then Danny's behind me, and this kid's ahead of me. And so I was extremely competitive. Where I didn't worry about, you know, the prom or stuff like that. Um, January 16th, I'm playing at St. Dominic's, and I had 24 points to the half. I get a fast break steal, and uh, there's a kid behind me, pushes me in the back, and I break my elbow. Damn. 
Um, my mom is pregnant when I'm a senior in high school, you know, with my baby brother. And uh, my mom comes down from the crowd, tough as nails. And she goes, I don't care if you're in pain, get up. Because if they see you down, they think they'll win. So grab yourself and get up and walk to the bench. I got up. I knew it was broke because I couldn't feel my fingers. I went back in the game. I played right-handed for five <laughs> minutes. Literally just right-handed for five minutes. Then what happens is I started cramping. Then my left calf muscle strains and my left elbow's broke. I play in a post for five more minutes, just posting. I'm shooting right-hand hook shots. <laughs> and to the point where I knew it was done and my body gave up, my dad was going to the hospital. And I broke my radial head right here on the outside of my elbow. And this is where, like, if you think about, like, a Kobe or AI, uh, your purpose is bigger than your pain. I really don't. My endorphins, my adrenaline, I get to the hospital and they go, you got eight weeks left in your senior year. If we give you surgery and a hard cast, you're done. If you could drink milk and yogurt and strengthen that bone, you might come back in, in five weeks. That's all I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. All right, so we'll be back by February. Great. And I ate five things of yogurt every day. And I drank a gallon of milk every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm lactose intolerant. Damn. <laughs> I'm literally... If you sh weren't before. You yeah. definitely <laughs> I'm shitting on myself and throwing up just to get back strong. Uh -huh. So three and a half weeks later, I go right back to St. Dominic's. And I'm, I'm having my, my cast on, my, my fake sling on. I said, Coach, I have my jersey in the locker room. So they don't think I'm going to play. 34 points my first game. 38 my second game. 22 my third game. 28 my fourth game. And it was all shit's kids back. Unfortunately, because of my size, if you see the game today, you know, the Steph Currys, the Fred Van Fleece, the Trey Youngs, they get to enjoy the game I couldn't have because I played a traditional point guard era. Little guys give the ball to the big guys. We established big guys are too slow. So um, a lot of my division one offers were gone because of my injury. I missed some games, and we weren't a good team my senior year, which means I had to go to prep school. And for a lot of athletes, Preparatory school is a fifth year of high school to develop your body or help you with your SAT score because you probably can't read or write. Mm -hmm. So I went to St. Thomas More Prep School in um, New London, Connecticut for a year. So I'm kind of like bumped down to Danny's class, now 05, not 04. So most of my friends are now going to NYU and Fordham and Seton Hall and St. John's. I'm going to an all-boys preparatory school with 200 kids looking for football and basketball and baseball and hockey scholarships. At that point, it was hard because now it's like everything I did didn't matter. Yeah. Right? It made you want to give up? Come on. Nah, it just, it made me delay the eruption, to be honest. I'm going to get to where I got to get to. It's an extra year. So what can I do in this extra year at an all-boys school? It's making eight grand a month because I understood that this is a small monopoly size. I studied everything. So, you know, you're all-boys school. This is before Facebook. This is before, like, Wi-Fi. It's like the Sprint PCS <laughs> era. This is like... The, the, the sidekick, right? <laughs> and what I knew was dinner's at 5. We have practice till 8, and guys are hungry at 9. So I go to Costco's and get Pop-Tarts and muffins and chocolate bars and Reese's bars, and I set up my whole little kiosk of food, and I charge guys. Then I cut hair, right? So I'm cutting guys' hair, white guys, black guys, Spanish guys. Then there are guys that struggle with schoolwork, doing papers for $20 a paper. Right, and then this is the DVDs and the CD era. Remember those big black albums of yeah. just DVDs? Mm -hmm. I think I have one in my trunk. Okay, <laughs> I was dubbing those, so I would take your albums and I'd make copies and sell it to him for twenty dollars. So prep school was a way for me to work on my entrepreneurial spirit because I already had a full ride by the first three months. Coaches knew who I were. They see me get stronger. I, I hit the weight room crazy because I broke the elbow. So 
I'm now like 175 pounds. I'm more stronger. I understand the game better. And in Long Island, there are no big men in Long Island. No big men in New York. You got to go to Texas and Florida and Carolina and get you a big boy. They wanted to see me play versus bigger guys to see if my game translated. So now, 20 years later, when I go to a high school basketball game in Long Island, I can't be impressed by the new up-and-coming kids because you're scoring baskets on a 6'2 big man. That doesn't translate in college with three six eleven guys that can touch the rim without jumping. They're going to block those shots. They give you that bump, you know. And so kids have to understand how to train. And so prep school is a way of getting better, getting stronger, but also working on my business mind because I'm bored as hell, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. I got my scholarship and I chose a small school for a reason. Uh, St. Peter's University is in Jersey City. They had the nation's leading scorer at 5'9". And I'm 5'10", 5'11". His name was Keedron Clark. Keedron Clark at 5'9", 5'10", scored 3,056 points without dunking in four years. <laughs> he scored more points than J.J. Redick, Carmelo Anthony, and Adam Morrison. And nobody knew about him because yeah, everyone praises the big, you know, I call them the big eight. UNC, Kentucky, Kansas, Florida, you know, UConn, UCLA. We all want to go to those schools. Yeah, they're big schools. It's like 16 scholarships. There's like 5 million guys want to mm-hmm. go there. The starter jackets. But if you think about a Dame Lillard who takes Weber State, a C.J. McCollum who's a good buddy of mine, Lehigh, you know, um, a Steph Curry, Davidson. Wally Zerbiak was my muse. Wally Zerbiak went to Miami of Ohio and took him to the tournament. So my, my strategy was different. Go to a small school, be a big fish in a small sea, and then be that team, that, that Manhattan team that upsets that VC team that we have to upset somebody versus like a Danny who can go to like UNC and Danny's on national TV three times a day. Yeah. It's a good thing if he's doing great. It's a bad thing if he's doing bad. It's more pressure when you're like the guy. Sure. But if you're not getting no TV games that people care about, you know, we played on ESPN Saturday at 11 a.m. Nobody's watching that game. Mm-hmm. But Danny's prime time on a Saturday, you know, all marbles on the court. UNC versus Duke, who you got? And luckily Danny was great. He was dunking on Greg Paulus. Danny beat Duke every year all four years. Danny's the most achieved UNC player because he played four years. He's the only player with like 1,300 points, 500 rebounds, 500 blocks, 500 steals, all the threes. He's never lost at Duke. So Danny's UNC career is, is marveled forever. And he iced it with a nice national championship. For me, I went to the championship my freshman year with Kedron, you know, and we lost to Iona, really good team. The second year was hard because I graduated five seniors. My coach's wife had breast cancer. He retired. My assistant coaches got better jobs, and I had no head coach for five months. Yeah, so after well. a championship run, who am I reporting to from April to August? And now I'm 20, a little older, a little more mature. I still have a business acumen, but now I'm, like, buying suits. I'm going to happy hour in Manhattan. I'm, I'm meeting Wall Street guys. I'm meeting all my, all my seniors that went to Wall Street. I'm still hanging out with those guys. I'm learning the business. I had a day trade. You know, how to work with clients, how to bring them to Knicks games and then bring them to a Japanese restaurant afterwards at 20. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Hitch, like Will Smith and Hitch. I was kind of like doing a little bit of everything. Um, in my second year, we were the second worst Division One team in the country because we had no no recruits. And they, they makeshifted a new coach from Seton Hall halfway through, you know, the season. Um, but I wasn't really concerned about basketball. I was still good. My sophomore year was probably my best, uh, my best statistical year. Average like 13 points and eight rebounds, but we were five and 25, and nobody cared. Yeah. You're a good player on a bad team. You're losing the first round. So at that point, tale of the Charles Dickens' tale of two cities, best times, worst of times. You could be a, win a champion if you have a team. You could be a great player if you suck. 
You got to decide what you want to do. So at that point, I went to transfer because I got what I needed out of Jersey City. I learned from Kedra my freshman year. I put my numbers up my sophomore year, but I want to win. I didn't win a championship in high school because Danny won all those championships. Mm-hmm. I missed a, I missed a freshman year by 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 a couple points. So I chose to play Division Two. Why? If you go from Division One to Division One, you have to sit out a year. It's called a redshirt year. I already went to prep school for a year. Yeah, that's pushing my delay. I'm now I'm like two years. I'm graduating now at 24, not 22. Who wants to be in college till 24? Mm-hmm. So you know what? If I go from Division One to Division Two, I can play right away, and I could graduate. I can start my life, whether it's in the NBA or not. I just want to start my life. I've been playing since I was five, and now yeah. I have this business acumen. I have these other interests. So I chose uh, CW Post University right here in Brookville with Tim Cluse, Danny's high school coach, and he made Danny number two in the country. Yeah. So I called up, you know, old Tim. He had a great comment. And he, he remembered me from high school. You know, I was a dog, you know, because Danny couldn't guard me and his brother couldn't guard me. I was only 35 points a game. But these are my best friends. I'm in the backyard mm-hmm. five hours a day. You think Danny can stop me? I'm the one that's, you know. Yeah. So I have these videos of me just scoring on these guys, but they're better. They're, they're beating us by 30, but I'm scoring 40. And so Tim was like, you were a dog. And so if you're still that same kid, I'd love to give you a full ride at CV Post. But, Kevin, we lost in a championship last year. With you, we can win a championship. Oh, Tim, I want to win too. And so that was one of the best um, mental coaches because <laughs> Tim had a requirement to earn your jersey. You had to run a 530-minute mile. I hate the track. It's not my thing. I had asthma as a kid. I hate the smell of asphalt. So preparing for a 530 mile, I'm quick in 94 feet. I'm not fast yeah. on the track. It was like the biggest mental block I ever had. And my team is like, how is he this fast on the court? And he sucks on the track. It's like a mm-hmm. mental block. I was running eight-minute miles. First lap, minute like the guy who got. Second lap, halfway through the second lap, I'm dying out. Like, what? why is my ass hurting? My quads <laughs> and my lower back, shit. And I'm so top-heavy because mm-hmm. I'm lifting weights. And so Tim broke me down. He's like, dude, you bulked up for Division One, but you lost your speed from high school. We got to get you back in, like, this shape. Yeah. I lost 15 pounds of muscle in like three weeks mm-hmm. to be fast for Tim. But once I got back in like high school shape with my Division One know-how, and then Division Two guys like six three, six four versus D one guys were six nine, six ten. The big guys are smaller to me, and I'm stronger, but I'm faster, but I'm smarter. Yeah. <clears throat> More importantly, I kind of adjusted my game because what makes Steph Curry dangerous is when he doesn't have the ball. He plays off the ball. You know, Draymond can bring it up, and Iguodala can bring it up, and my buddy Sean Livingston can bring it up. And now Steph Curry is the point guard. He's really the shooting guard. He's really the small forward because he's running screens. He's playing off the ball. Tim taught me how to play off the ball. Like, hey, you've had the ball in your hand your whole life. Let other guys be the setup guy, but you be the finish guy. It was hard at first. I felt like it taking my job from me. Yeah. But after, you know, a couple practices and a lot of film, I played the shooting guard and small forward the last few years of college, but I was better and I was more efficient because I didn't have that high usage rate. So we go back to the NBA, you look at Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, they both ran Phil Jackson's triangle offense. The triangle allows those two incredible scorers to have space because you have other guys with a roll, a screen, a curl, a something. But if you look at James Harden, who just has a ball in his hands with four guys watching, you'll never really win. So now I'm able to see the game slower as a junior. And I'm older now. I'm like 22, and these guys are 18. It's like playing your little brother. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to manip- manipulate movement, right? So if I, if I pass you the ball and you set a screen and the guy turns his head, it's so my junior year. We were number 10 in the country, right? 
and uh, we won the league championship versus Delphi, and we uh, we lost in the first round to in the, in the NCAA tournament. I was pissed. Like they won a national championship. My senior year, we got better. We went thirty and zero. We're number two team in the country at CW Post. Yeah, wow. all of our alumni are coming to games. These guys are living in Green Green Lawn and Greenville and Brookville and Manhasset and Muttontown, mm-hmm. and they're like big wigs with Armani suits. Let's go, guy, with a cigar in their mouth. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> hey, you guys coming to our house after the game? We got some steaks on the grill. Selling jerseys. <laughs> We're getting invited to like Great Gatsby Homes after being 30 and 0. I've never seen them like this before. Yeah. Cuban cigars and you know Old Forester whiskey and in the off season, we are caddying at the golf course i'm learning stock tips me and danny are working basketball camps in brookville and they're paying 800 a week you know so i learned <coughs> the business of basketball from these guys long island university and jim fox is our ad professor jim fox runs island garden one of the biggest facilities in long island my senior year i had a business plan called fast break elite where i wanted to have 300 kids in a college facility paying 300 each for a week it's ninety grand a week. Ten weeks of camp, you're making nine hundred thousand dollars. You live your life for nine months. You work in the summertime. That was my whole motif of how do I do what I love but live the life I want to live. I was being better in smaller pockets. Still want to being being the person I need as a kid. So basketball camps became a real staple in '08 with me and Danny. Like, hey, how about we just get together? I do the tricks with the globe trotters, and you do the dunks with the NBA, and we just do this three months out the year. You were a globe trotter, right? Yeah. So how was yeah, that? that was great. So after thirty and zero. Um, my senior year, we lost in the national championship, and um, you know I outplayed the player of the year. You know, I had 20.7 rebounds, and I did that with a herniated disc. Now my body's breaking down at 23. You know, I had a herniated disc, I tore my shoulder, but I'm taking epidural shots, and I have to give credit to Dr. Richard Block of Block Chiropractors in Smithtown. He gave me the epidural and got my body right, and so after college, I knew that my chance of going pro was smaller because I might like sneeze and my back is done for a week. You know, and then I tore my shoulder and I have plantar fasciitis. So I'm like, if you're going to keep playing, you have to be the best trainer of yourself ever. In 2009, this was a housing crisis. So I have a business degree and I have a great college resume, but there are no jobs on both sides. Guys jumping off buildings in Wall Street because of, you know, the housing crisis. The Big Short is a good movie to, to see where Wall Street tanked. Lehman Brothers, you know, all these banks closed. So my Wall Street dreams, my NBA dreams... Owners having problems with the players as far as their split. Do the owners get 52, players get 48? Hit a lockout for nine months. <laughs> no jobs to the right. And now NBA guys like J.R. Smith going to China, you know, and playing in Russia, taking my job overseas. There was no jobs for me in 09. You know, I had a job in Morocco that paid 1500 a month. I could make that at LA Fitness. Yeah. I went to tryouts in Greece. You know, I went to tryouts in <clears> Turkey <throat> and couldn't really land anything that was paying. You know, at this point, you're 23 years old. You want to make some money. You want to have a girlfriend. You know, and all your buddies that did construction and had jobs, they're killing it at 22, 23. And you were broke, you know. So the Globe Charters came around. Um, I was a Washington general first. I played against the Globe Charters. Wow, yeah, I remember this. And they had a problem because I was actually too good for the generals because I was trying to win. <laughs> like, dude, you're paid five grand a month to lose. Oh, I can't mm. lose. I'm jacked up since so I was 12. I can't <laughs> lose. So the Globe Charter guy's like, dude, we like you because you're cutting hair. You're teaching us real estate. You're showing us the stock market. You're actually a really cool kid. You don't spend any money. You don't party. We see you saving everything, but you can't kick our ass during the show. You know, I was making like nine shots in a row as a general, so they made me a globe trotter. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was hard because as a globe trotter now, you know, on international tours, I never really got a local tour. We had three teams. 
might want to do a New York tour as a Globetrotter, but just the timing never really worked out. They saw my business mind, and they were like, yeah, we protect our brand. You can't do your own thing with our brand. We pay for it. Mm-hmm. So if you try to write a book, we'll fire you. If you try to do a tournament using our name, we'll fire you. I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing this for? Yeah. So I learned a lot, though. I learned about tours. I learned about sponsorship. We were sponsored by, like, Greyhound Bus and Campbell Soup and Reebok and, you know, Howard Johnson Hotels. Those are the brands that pay for the Globe Charter budget. Are they still playing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're still yeah. playing. I still have a couple buddies on the team. I still talk to them once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped playing in 2011 because I realized for me to get ahead, you know, you have to have capital. And I just wasn't making enough. I was playing four months out the year, but I was – Work with my dad at Allstate, making 100 bucks a week, you know, eight months out of the year. So, like, Long Island's hard. You got to make, like, four or five yeah. grand a month to survive yeah. Long Island oh, yeah. by yourself. Yeah. So, I'm like, I could, I, I could work five jobs just to enjoy my apartment two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, or I could humble myself, <laughs> live in mom's basement till 28, which is what I did. You know, I kept my head down. You a, lot know, of, so, a lot of guys in Long Island. Yeah. Like, you're just – we have the highest population of adult children because – you know, our parents need our help, and we need their help. And it's kind of like, all right, yeah. you guys got the utilities, and we do the mortgage, and at some point, we'll take the mortgage with the utilities. And I'll pay the Netflix. It's hard. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so now I'm 25. I quit the Globetrotters. And at this point, I want to disassociate myself with basketball. I've given you guys everything since 11, 12. So You're done. Done. You know, I'm cutting hair. I'm day trading. I don't have a lot of capital. You know, you day trade with 1500 bucks, you get 3%. It's $45. Mm-hmm. The trade costs 40 so you're making 5 But I was taking my hits, learning how to time stocks, you know, options trading, Forex. Um, I got my real estate license. I had to buy a property. I looked up the Long Island Housing Partnership. Make under 55 grand, you're not married. They give you half the money in grants. You know, I wasn't, I was making 37.5 at 25 years old. Half the taxes is 22. So it forced me to like, have multiple streams of income. You're a resourceful kid. You grew up resourceful. Yeah. So in 2014, you know, I felt like all my friends had a head start because I didn't start working until I was 25. You know, by 28, I'd save 40 grand on my 401k because I didn't bring home none of my money. I was making money, cutting hair and doing camps. That was my cash and I lived with mom. And so, you know, by 28, I had to lie about how much money I made to get a, to get a mortgage loan, mm-hmm. you know, to, to afford a $350,000 condo to make one ten. I make seventy here, and I make thirty there, and I make twenty there, and I lie about that, you know, mm-hmm. just I think to the a government. Lot of people lie to oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So think about that. I'm an opposite mind. Yeah, hey, I make thirty thousand doing Danny Green camps. I make probably make three thousand. Yeah. I make twenty thousand cutting hair. Probably make two hundred, and I'm willing to pay extra eight grand in taxes of money I didn't make mm-hmm. to get what a higher, a higher, you know, taxable income. So I manipulated a hundred and ten thousand dollars salary, making like forty five. And now mm-hmm. with one ten on paper, you can now get a mortgage for three fifty. Sure. And I got one, so I moved to. I bought a condo in Patchogue uh, because I had opportunity to coach the Division Three men's basketball team. I was the youngest head coach in the country by accident. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I did so well in college, and I had a great mentor. Um, her name was Shante Hill. Gave me a chance. She knew my passion for the game and my passion for detail, helping young men. So she's like, "Hey, listen, you know, we got a small window to get you in here. You know, get an interview, but you're going to get some some big wigs. Guys, double your age." Coaching is different because now the competition's 50. Yeah. I'm 28. They know shit I don't even know. Yeah. They know how to get alumni and, you know, build up enrollment and, and help with the recruiting budget and then help get job placement. I'm just a guy on the court that can, but I'm not because now I know how to work with the alumni and I offer them NBA tickets with Danny. And then I know how to work with the enrollment and sit mm-hmm. in those meetings, take notes on how to have open houses and get more market share. So it was actually simple, but it was hard. And so in 2014, 
I'm working at Allstate and Hopog. I'm coaching St. Joseph's, and I'm buying my first house all at the same time. That's just like what I did the rest of my life. Yeah, where you started your life, right? And it was challenging because uh, there's been a nepotism involved with Allstate. My dad has three Allstate franchises. I'm the legacy kid. We have the same name. Mm-hmm. Abraham Kevin Spann, son's Allstate Insurance. I'm Abraham Kevin Spann working in. I needed medical insurance and 401k, so I was an internal. My dad was an independent contractor with a brand. I was just working at Hot Hog, making some money. The challenge with that was um, I cared about my part-time job more than my full-time job. And I'm trying to buy a house. And I'm finally like, dating. You know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out this dating yeah. thing. You know, because I have these dreams. But women are like, let's go to dinner. I'm like, let's go to dinner. But help me with five business plans. Mm-hmm. No, just love me. I, I can't just love you. I have to do some shit, you know. Mm-hmm. So in 2014, uh, I you know, maybe 70 grand on paper at the job and like 10 grand over the coaching. And I got my mortgage loan approved and I'm looking at properties out there. And so um, I got a, got a place, you know. <laughs> and it took me seven months to get my house, it takes most people a month because the people living there, they had a hard time letting go. Mm-hmm. All states put me on probation because I'm writing plays for my college <laughs> during meetings. And then my kids, we, st- we started one and four, you know? So I'm like, shit, I'm young. It's more pressure for me to win. I'm younger, I have to like prove myself. And so I basically gave those those kids my division one, division two experience. Hey, we gotta wake up a little earlier. We gotta eat a little better. We gotta watch a little film. We gotta lift a little weights. We gotta bond together. We gotta trust each other. You know, so I took all my basketball experience and I put myself in them. Yeah. So we became 12 Kevin Spans. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the funniest coaching stories I ever had was I knew this college team was better than us. And so I told my players, hey, go on their Instagrams to see where we could find a little pain. You know, so the best players, like dating this girl, he's like all lovey dovey. Well, that guy doesn't love basketball, he loves her. Mm-hmm. So how do we tweak it? So I call up a couple of my buddies that knew the kid. I'm like, hey, uh, tell me some dirt about this kid. He's like, oh, was, he was chunky his freshman year. That's why he like doesn't mean no asses now. So if you call him fat, so he gets pissed off. Oh yeah, fat. So you know, <laughs> he's like, hey, his, his girlfriend. They make up and break up, and she cheats sometimes. Oh, she's a cheater at that. So now I got the soccer team coming to the game, like in the crowd, face painted like Braveheart with Mel Gibson, and they're yelling every time. So I said, my players, whenever this kid catches the ball, you call him fat. So I got fat. So I got fat. So don't let fat. So score. He's like, how do you guys know that? I hate that name. Right? And then when he shoots free throws, I'm like, Kelly Frazier, do you love him? Do you love him? Or do you cheat on him whenever you want? And the whole team is going crazy. This kid is like, he teched out 0 for 5. We beat him by 40. That's that mama mentality. Right? I played chestnut checkers. We beat him by 42 points on senior night. Then we beat him again in the first round. I took a team that was 1 and 4 at the start of the season that was a combined 13 and 50 two years before me and win a championship. Because of this, right? Yeah. Because of this. And so coaching was great. Did it for five years. Um, it's really hard with no dorms out in Patchogue. You know, it's a nursing education school. You're not getting Westbury State money. You're not getting Farmerdale State money. A lot of kids live local, right? A lot of kids live local. So I'm recruiting from Center Reach and Holbrook. Yeah. These guys getting some dogs from Brooklyn. <laughs> my biggest competition is actually one of my really good friends. And I'll tell you guys a funny story. One of my one to four losses was against a Jewish team. Let me tell you about like prejudice. You know, these kids wearing yarmulkes playing ball. And so I'm like, how do you guard a Jewish team? Like, what, what's going on? Like, and I have a pretty good understanding of their culture. You know, I mean, I read, you know, Anne Frank and I understood the Holocaust differently at a young kid. Like, man, that's pretty hard what they went through. So I understand how the culture is important where they work together so well because they had nothing but each other. You know, and they're the smartest financial people culturally. Yeah. It's non-debatable. 
So they have a bit of teamwork that people can't understand because there's no ego involved. There's no star player. It's like 12 guys averaging eight. You can't tell who's who. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I got three guys averaging 20. We know they're the man. They're making better plans than I am. So Elliot Steinmetz, we came into the conference together in 2014. I was 28. Elliot's probably like 36. He's a lawyer full-time. And we both had big dreams of winning a national championship in Division Three. You know how crazy you got to be to think of winning a national championship from Pat Chogg and yeah. he's in Washington Heights with some <laughs> Jewish guys. And so first game of the year, Elliot kicked my ass by 20 points. And I couldn't understand it as a black kid from Chicago and New York. These Jewish guys are kicking my ass with yarmulkes on. I mean, they are kicking our ass. <laughs> we were down 20 at the half. I'm flipping chairs. What the hell's going on out there? But guess what? I'm emotional. I had no adjustments because everybody could score. Let's go 2-3 zone. Let's go 1-3-1. Guard a man. They torched us. And he made me go to the film. I studied them for three months. We came back. We beat them at their place. So me and Elliot would split every year. But we became great friends. And I said, Elliot, the difference between me and you is I'm hooting and hollering and yelling like Sam Jackson and Coach Carter every possession. I got pit stains in my suit. Elliot's very <laughs> quiet like this the whole time. Tells this guy like this. Studies. And I said, I wish I had his patience and temperament. <laughs> what is his routine like where his guys know him? And so by year four, Elliot was recruiting from Israel, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Texas, California. The kids are getting bigger and stronger. After a while, he looked at the Golden State Warriors. I'm like, Elliot, where'd you get that 6'5 point guard? Florida. 6'8 shooter. California. Who's that 6'9 kid with a beard? He's from the Israeli Maccabi Tel Aviv. did two years in the Israeli army. And he has a wife and kids. <laughs> I'm looking at my guys. We're like, I got a 17-year-old from Brookville who was just in puberty last week. So there's an article in ESPN that came out two months ago about our relationship. So by year four, I'm like, Elliot, I can't. And I had one last hurrah. We were winning both games by like 15. Elliot came back and beat me by twice by two. I'm like, I got to take my hat off to this guy because mm-hmm. his level of discipline. So we became great rivals. I retired early. By year five, I'm like, Elliot's going to be – right now, Elliot has won 50 games in a row. They're the number one team in the country. Wow. Right now? It's wild. Look up Yeshiva University. <laughs> and so our friendship is we talk once a month, right? We talk about the game, and he has a couple of kids on the Yeshiva team that have pro potential. You've never seen a Jewish kid from Yeshiva go to the NBA. Elliot has like three prospects right now. So at this point, I'm using my Danny Green NBA resources to get those kids some looks. And Elliot helps me on the the youth side with uh, Long Island and uh, different things. And so it's a beautiful relationship where we have two different cultures that respect each other so much. And um, I moved to California when Danny Green became the Lakers. And Elliot had a game out there versus Occidental University. So he invites me to the practice. All the guys, oh, Coach Span, what's up, man? And I love those guys. <laughs> and they lost a game um, October of 2019. And Elliot hasn't lost in like two years. He's sick. So I was going for dinner that night. <coughs> I'm like, Elliot, it's the best thing in the world. You learn more from failure than winning. Sure. And so you lost to a better opponent. These California guys are playing volleyball on the beach. Their legs are stronger. They're better athletes. They be all year round warm weather. They're hiking. So you can't do what you do out to little patch of kids in California. You got to get better, right? It won't become easier. You got to get better. And from there, Elliot hasn't lost a game since October of 19. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's one of the most respected coaches I've ever had. Like I said, like Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, you know, and, and, and Elliot Steinmetz in no order because of his discipline and dedication. So I love the guy to death um, because mm-hmm. his team is there. And so, yeah, they, they marked 50, you know, yesterday. Wow. And they're not going to lose the rest of the season. You know, he'll, he'll keep going. But that's a goal he made five years ago. You that's know, amazing. It is. And so, I mean, that's the network we have of just 
powerful, you know. So fast forward today, um, you know, watching Danny grow. Um, that's my brother. Uh, our mothers played ball against each other in high school. Our dads knew each other. Mm-hmm. We're both the oldest of all of our siblings. We're both juniors. You know, Danny's the patience, but I'm the passion. And, you know, um, us growing up together, we had all these dreams that became true. But now you get a bit of survivor's guilt. You want to bring more people with you. You know, San Antonio 2014, it's us on a riverboat, but it's just us, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you know, Toronto 19, now we have like five or ten friends. And then the Lakers championship was the hardest because I'm in L.A. They shut the world down. And I live in New York and L.A. I still have my property in Patchogue. I just rent it out, you know. And then I have my L.A. place to kind of work around him and build some build a network. I didn't really go to L.A. for a job. I wanted to learn how L.A. works when I know how New York works. Yeah. You want to learn Manhattan? Different <clears throat> it's a different world. You want to learn Manhattan in an hour? Meet me at Penn Station at 6 a.m. and we'll watch Manhattan. It's a frequency. Mm-hmm. It's a race, you know. And you watch the people and the coffee and the movement. Manhattan's a frequency. Doesn't matter what color you are, how old you are, you'll you make some money. That's why you need mm-hmm. the float. You need the float. That's why I'm gonna <laughs> float three times a week. But LA, LA is slower. Is Danny float? Uh, probably not yet, cause he has the best facilities. But he'll he'll definitely get in here. He'll get the best sleep of his life in here. You know, yeah. especially now because of COVID. Yeah, but LA is slow pace. It's Malibu, it's Laguna Beach, it's San Diego. Tobias was in San Diego. Danny's in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. I'm in Marina Del Rey. Big out there. It is. Yeah, yeah. Have you done yeah. any out there? I haven't because I go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I live in Marina Del Rey. I walk my dog with iced coffee. I'm on the beach. And I live next to Phil Survive. Jackson. You know, so that's like full was circle. Was here the first time you, you ever floated before? Yeah. 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 I've not, no, 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 no. This is the first one I did a sea salt cave. I floated before, but I never like really understood the spirituality of it. I was always fidgety. You yeah. know, I was always like, I'm thinking too much. Now I have to relax. I had to decompress in that thing, yeah. you know? So floating is great because Steph Curry was the first guy to do it. Him and Iguodala, they golf to decompress. These are high-frequency athletes. They play in front of 20,000 three times a week, and they have to ignore the crowd. They have to ignore the media. They can't listen. They can't look at mom and dad or their wife. It's just like they're here. If you look up, Kobe Bryant has a great, you know, guy versus soul, great Kobe. He has a great video of talking about Steph. He's like, Steph is very dangerous because he's just present. He doesn't think about the last mistake or the last big win. He doesn't think about the next the next big win. He's just there. It makes him deadly because he's at peace. That comes from floating. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's Steph able to. Water, by the it way. is. Yeah. No, Steph is amused, man. He just, Steph is one of the best hand-eye coordination. He's extremely strong. He knows the game. He's patient, but he's deadly. I don't want to be up 15 with Steph Curry with five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. One of the scariest things in the world, you know? It's kind of like he's going to wake up soon. You just don't know when. Yeah. You know, you're like, okay, it's 85 70. You blink. Oh, crap, it's 88 85. What the hell did him and Clay just mm-hmm. do? And I know that because when Danny was on the Spurs, they were up 21 points, three different games, and lost every game. CJ McCollum, good friend of mine, you know, um, me and Danny, a friend named Prentice Small that is from our neighborhood, and Prentice went to Lehigh. And so we knew CJ, he was like 16 17. And CJ and Dame Lillard were up 17, four games in a row during the playoffs a couple of years ago. They lost every game, and it was a joke because Steph and Clay are like, all right, listen, man, you want to take over something, you want me to take over? Because mm-hmm. you took over last time, and now I want to do it this time. They would score seven threes in three minutes. I mean, you you, you yeah. go take a bathroom break it's and come back. These guys are winning because Steph's able to access a different frequency. He's like, Clay, three threes in a row. Hey, you, four threes in a row. And now your Dame's like, what the hell's going on here? Hey, look, look, steal three, steal Lots three. <laughs> like that game. Scary, you're, man. You're be on fire. <laughs> yeah. And so when Danny was playing the, the the Warriors in the 19 finals, I mean, you talk about irritable bowel syndrome. 
we're in a crowd like this. Just, oh my God, are they gonna? <laughs> are they gonna? Because you got I me. Mean, you got DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant and Draymond and Steph and Clay. You got the bench. Those Raptors guys played great. And Kawhi did a great job leading the team. And Kyle's Kyle Lowry's a dog. And you had Marcus Ole, who's a good perimeter big. And you know Danny played good defense. But man, we were nervous every minute of the game. Mm-hmm. We won that championship. But we also went to like our cardiologist the next day. Like, can you please check my blood pressure? Because <laughs> that series, I think I lost a couple <laughs> years of my life. Oh man. And so now Danny had a great market share in Toronto and a lot of love. And, you know, and now he gets straight to they picks up a contract with the Lakers. And it's like this is their fourth city in four years. Yeah. When did that happen? 19, 2019. Okay. So he went from San Antonio to Toronto to L.A. He won back-to-back championships. He now has three yeah, rings. 1920? Yeah. So 19, 14, wow. 19, 20. Yeah. Three rings with three different teams. There's only four guys who do it. Him and LeBron, and like yeah. John Sally and Robert Ory, but Danny starts. So Shaq, Shaq, Shaq has uh, just L.A. and Miami. That's it. You know, he won three in L.A. and one in Miami with D. Wade. But to win three rings with three different teams, especially because it means that you were the catalyst. Uh, Shaq never won with with uh, Orlando, right? No, they, him and Penny they had a chance. Yeah. They could have mm-hmm. won. So Shaq yeah. could have been that list, but they I think they had won their first game and then Hakeem swept them or something like that. So after Danny wins in L.A., but now it's a bubble championship. This is where it's weird because yeah, it's interesting. I know the magic of a Spurs, you know, that's that's the riverboat. What's that, the the river uh, in San Antonio? Uh, mm-hmm. You're on the river. You're in the Alamo. You know, you're on the riverboat going through the town with the championship trophy with those pictures. And then you're in Toronto in a bus with Drake. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, we are like we are like rock stars <laughs> in Toronto. And then now we go to L.A. And now it's like our entourage dream of going to L.A. And now we're... In Laguna Beach, we're on Hollywood, we're in Beverly Hills, and we he won, but he won in the bubble. So now you know the Dodgers won and the Lakers won, but Gavin Newsom, the mayor, is like, hey, no championship, yeah. COVID. Yeah, they, sh- they shut the beach down, they shut the hiking down. Danny won a championship in the bubble. He comes home, he looks like Tom Hanks from Castaway <laughs> after ninety days. I'm serious, <laughs> you know. Crazy. And so now you come back home, we're right back into a lockdown. So I live in New York and L.A., and both cities both are locked cities down because of the population. Yeah. It's a very hard is it, March is it 20th. Population? Well, yeah, New York is built vertically. Yeah. So you have 19 million people in a, in a 12-mile radius. Yeah. We're going to get hard, hard, hit the hardest. California is one of the biggest states. California is as long as New York to North Carolina. People don't realize how long California is. That's it true. takes yeah. 10 yeah. hours to get from Sacramento yeah. to San Diego. Yeah, it's, it's a whole, whole coast. It's whole West yeah. coast. There's three states on the West Coast. Yeah. California, Portland, Washington. They're all beautiful. There's 17 in, in New York. We can go yeah. from, you know, from from Maine on down to Florida. We're I mean, touching everything. Vermont, Delaware, Boston. So California is so massive, and you know, I felt bad because he never really had a chance to like settle in somewhere. And then now you win a championship here. Lakers got to get younger, so they traded for Dennis Schroeder to Oklahoma, and then the Golden picks him up to Philly. And at this point, it's like, all right. This is a fourth city in four years, yeah. and so now we're older. I'm tired. These boxes, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm worried about his mental state. And he's old now. He's married now. You know, I, my, to my, I call him my sister in spirit. You know, Blair's beautiful wedding. And I'm like, dude, you, the NBA kind of like, you're just an athlete. And fans don't understand that part of like moving your dogs around, moving your wife around, you know, uh, your family, relocating, ch- the, another jersey, learning new plays, you know, righting the wrongs of this organization. It's just tiring. So at this point hard. in Philly, I'm like, Relax this year, you know, as a friend, as a brother. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not really I'm not really concerned with Danny's performance on the court. Anymore. We have three championships. Yeah. You're top 40 three-point shooter ever, top 15 playoff shooter ever. You've done the work, Yeah, you so know. And so focus now? 
um, building the business. So now what we do now is, you know, Danny's dad, Mr. Green Sr., had a great vision uh, 13 years ago of giving back to community. You guys must become the people you needed. And so we have 13 years of content of eight years in San Antonio and a year in Toronto and North that's Carolina. That's a good saying that you just said. Yeah, you have to become what you needed. Yeah. And so that's where we master. And so <clears throat> after, you know, being locked down in COVID, my dad became a um, a sponsor for the Long Island Nets G League team. And they're in Nassau Coliseum, which just opened after a couple of years. Nassau Coliseum's been yeah. closed for years. So I'm looking, I went to a couple of games with my dad and I went, man, I can help get some kids in this arena. I mean, I have all this know-how with arenas and stuff like that. So the Globetrotter experience, and me and Dane did two Barclays rentals to help some top prospects uh, get some exposure to NBA scouts. So I call up the VP. Hey, let's do some business. You know, do you guys have any dates available? Me and Nate can run a camp. You know, I called up Puma, his sponsor, and they gave me apparel sponsorship, and we put some shoes and some shirts on kids, and I hired all the local coaches I grew up with. You know, and we did awesome. a we did a four event campaign. November thirteenth, seventy five kids. November twenty first, seventy five kids. November twenty sixth. Now Danny's there Thanksgiving, and it was great to get all this content. This year, yeah. And so after that, um, I realized that we can help two things. The Long Island Nets they need fans and market share. These guys need fans. It's a huge arena. So let me get some disenfranchised kids in the arena. Let me buy some tickets. Let me help the Nets with their tickets and. Um, so as of next week, I'll be the youngest and biggest partner of the Long Island Nets history because um, we're going to help get 3,500 kids over 10 games. And we'll wow. sit right behind the bench and they'll have my T-shirts. Mm -hmm. nice. You know, so that's, that's, that's the amazing. partnership I have. And for that, you know, we're able to do programs at the Yes You Can Center in Hempstead and also do some arena events. And I'd love to have you guys come as guests and talk about the power of taking care of the body. It's so important. Yeah, at, at no, 20, yeah that'd be amazing, man. Yeah. And if you guys are available December 26th, as we're doing these clinics, um, you know, women are a big part of basketball now. You know, Bria Hartley is like a little sister to me and Danny. She went to UConn, Gina Aria Motion. Now she's in the WNBA. Tina Charles is Liberty, good friend of ours. Um, you know, uh, uh, Skylar Diggins was a good friend of ours. And so when you look at how unequal the pay is for women to men, the top women's plays making like 200 grand a year. The lowest men's plays like $10 million sometimes. Yeah. Now, outside of the rookies and the G League guys, like the disparity is crazy where. You know, these women have to play June to August, but then go to Russia for three months. It's not safe for them mm -hmm. to go there by themselves. Yeah. Yeah, they want to be a mother. They want to be a businesswoman, but they have to play international. I have a young lady named uh, uh, Bree Jones, North Babylon. Bree's a great player. She's probably kicked my ass. Bree's in Germany. We're talking right now. And, you know, so we're in a special place now because after watching three women that inspired me and Danny, you know, Mary Lepore was like Luka Doncic in high school. She was 5'8 mm -hmm. with a boy's handle. She's beautiful, but she's a kick guy's ass. Yeah. All the guys want to date her. I'm looking at her footwork like, Mary's better than boys. <laughs> yeah, Kia Wright. Yeah, I bought him here. You know, Kia Wright was like Allen Iverson, but a girl. Boys yeah. were scared to guard and wanted mm -hmm. to date her. You know, and I'm like, I can't date Kia. She can kick my ass. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, the third woman is like a little sister to me, but she's 6'4". Danielle Wilson was like olive oil. You know, just straight. I mean, she was Brittany Griner before Brittany Griner. She was dunking with two hands by accident. <laughs> and, you know, her stats were better than Danny's. So... As I reached out to these like former, you know, basketball spirited sisters of mine, you know, they don't have the same opportunities as me and Danny. You know, they have no gym access on Long Island. They have four or five AU teams with no resources. They're making no money and it pissed me off. I was like, you know what, look, Danny, let's do something for the ladies. You know, in a special time. You know, Puma's a great sponsor. Um, there's plenty of women's apparel. There's so many girls AAU teams. That the ladies listen. It's better basketball. The boys a little stubborn, mm -hmm. a little entitled. And so 
I don't know how we did this, but in two weeks, we put together a three-on-three tournament at the Barclays Center the day after Christmas, and we used our resources. We have jewelers that want to make jewelry for the ladies. We have tattoo artists want to do feminine tattoos. Mm. <laughs> and I started studying Kobe again because when, when I'm boggled, I go to the Mamba. You know, Mamba is focused on the small detail every day, not the big things, small detail. And I realized that Kobe was going to do something special for his daughter, Gianna. And we're in a special place now because we can pick up what Kobe left off to really be ambassadors for these women. You know, right yeah. now, the college ladies, you know, if we were all 18 again with we had these Instagram followers. NCAA is now allowed student athletes to pay for their likeness. So if you're a student athlete, you have 100,000 followers, you could do an autograph session at Foot Locker. But I'm the brand manager to do the deal for you. <laughs> I can come to St. John's in Syracuse and we can do a basketball camp with you guys' names on it at 18, 19, 20 and give you guys ref share. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that we could do for these college kids is when you graduate, have 10, 15 grand saved to have your first apartment. No one wants to move back home with mom and dad to four years of college. Mm -hmm. And I was that kid that needed that. So we became the people we needed. That's no, amazing. Right? Yeah. These WNBA women, they're making 200 to 100 grand, but guess what? They're powerful beyond measure. They can get skincare deals and hair care deals and beverage deals and teeth whitening it's a whole deals. Different market. And it's yeah. crazy because you can make them more off the court than on the court, which puts pressure on the WNBA to pay them more money, get them more rev share. So in essence, you know, if you go to my website, spaninc.com, S-P-A-N-N-I-N-C.com, that's our business. And our whole model is we want to empower women, we want to champion them like men, you know. And so on December 26th, me and Danny have a 36-woman, 12-team, three-on-three tournament. Right, and first place gets five thousand dollars. Awesome. Second place twenty five hundred. Third place a thousand. But we have vendors on the side. Steve Butcher tattoos, one point five million followers. Steve's gonna talk about his NBA process of giving these ladies mm -hmm. sleeves, right? And then we have Dr. Dean of of Smile Suit Technology doing our veneers, like he did. You know, me and Danny's smile over the years. Mm -hmm. Get their get their get their smile right. Um, we have Eli Neve of Thorns Jewelry in Philadelphia does change for the Sixers and Chris Paul and Danny making diamond jewelry for the ladies. Nice. And I'd love to have you guys, if you guys can, December 26th to talk about taking care of the body. And you already met half of them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, being able to have <clears throat> these awesome. masculine businesses that never really catered to now cater to the ladies is important visually. I'm about visual equity now to put together this program of Zelle and Progressive and Body Armor and a shoe deal. They want to get involved with this. And we built it to scale. Yeah. Because now if we can get the Barclays Center, which is the most expensive NBA real estate in the country, everyone else is ready to follow. These NBA arenas need rentals because the NBA is, you know, yeah. you know not doing well because of COVID right now. So I'm thinking about the owners and the business people. I'm thinking about the popcorn people, the ticket rippers, right? If we don't have the NBA, those guys lose money. Let's use LeBron James leaving Cleveland as a case study. When LeBron left Cleveland to Miami, what happened to Cleveland's market? Tank. Local business owners, local bars, right? Local people have built around his brand. <clears throat> he comes back and wins it, it comes right back up. Sure. Which is just like the stock market, which is I'm a day trader. So I can time when Golden State's great, when Golden State's bad. Mm -hmm. When the Knicks make the playoffs and when they're bottom place again. Oh, man. And when they're up, don't even call them because the rent's going to be 3000 an hour. Mm -hmm. When they're down, it's $300 yeah. an hour. I think, honestly, I feel like the Harlem Globetrotters benefited from the Knicks being so bad. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. Because the Globetrotters is Broadway meets basketball. The Globetrotters is bringing generations together because grandparents want to tell their kids about Curly Neal, right? The NBA is shifted. And I understand it because NBA is now global. 
when Michael Jordan, Larry, and Magic went to Barcelona in 92, the dream team, they inspired the Dirk Nowitzkis and the Mano Ginobili's and the Tony Parkers. Oh, sure. Fast forward 30 years, we might not win a gold. Mm-hmm. It is hard for us to win a gold because now Luka Doncic is here and Giannis is here and Joel is here. And the world's opened up. <sighs> and I watch, I watch more different. USA and women's basketball now because of a different type of basketball. European players have an advantage because they're not going to school for eight hours. And they're not studying SAT and you know doing a 120 credit curriculum for four years. If you're six one, six two, and thirteen, they go to your family and go, "Hey, listen, Jeff's mine now. We'll give you a check every quarter, because at five eleven in eighth grade, he'll be six eight, and he comes to our academy, and he's doing the same thing I did in Chicago or with Danny. You're fourteen playing seventeen. You're fifteen playing eighteen. You're yeah. eighteen playing twenty. <clears throat> Ricky Rubio is playing pros at fourteen. Tony Parker fourteen. Luka Doncic fourteen. So it's an international game now. The women. They they have a different schedule. They play a different time of the year. They do. So women. Isn't that, don't you think that that kind of limits the exposure? It does. Because guess what? In the summertime, you guys go on vacation having barbecues. Yeah. You know, so now yeah. with our event of showing the top women um, and in certain seats, imagine women that just graduated that don't have an opportunity to go overseas, but they're still good at basketball. So now if I'm able to get them into these tournaments in different arenas, like we have an eight slated tour in 2022. Boston, New York, both Garden and Barclays, Philly, Atlanta, right? Charlotte, Cleveland, D.C., Orlando, Miami. It wouldn't be hard to do an event every six weeks where we have 50 to 100 of the top women really trying to kick each other's ass for this money. And then they get to win jewelry and vacations. I'm also like a travel concierge because of my Globetrotter experience. And then, you know, Danny's birthday's around a championship. I always get him out the country. Like, let's 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 get the hell away. Right, do go go decompress in you know another country and um, you know he played with the Spurs. Those guys were from different places. We've been to Brazil, we've been to Switzerland, we've been to Japan, we've been to Spain. You know we've been to so many places just to learn and get away from the states because you need time to get your get your mind and body back after a season with the fans boggling you down. Hey, autograph, yeah. autographs every day, very hard yeah. because you're taking on those energies. That's why you gotta float. You gotta float, <laughs> which is a great. I said, said listen. I'm here. I came here like four times in a week. Yeah, we gotta have you come back for sure. After a while, I'm like, hey, you need a janitor at night. Let me just float and I'll just clean the place up and we'll just do that. I was gonna, I was gonna broker a janitor deal. Next thing you know, we might be partners in Brooklyn next week. So, yeah, James going for it. But yeah, yeah, just that's it. Yeah, I just want to end it with like, you know, I'm very appreciative that you guys are here, man. I mean, my mom told me about this place. I'm like, Ma, I need a facility. Mm -hmm. She's like, Oh, it's one in Huntington. Yeah. I just Google it and I make an appointment. And I'm one of those guys, I'm like, Can I do all three at once? Yeah. And he's like, Oh, we can you can float at eleven and then you know, sawn at three. I'm like, Let's job. I need to do all of it within an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was it was definitely nice to meet you. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you came in. I'm glad your mom told you. Oh yeah, like I've been buying all if you look at my rev share, I done bought all the C B (laughs) Ds, all the kombucha. You were so hyped up when you called. Oh yeah. Like, what what's your name? Jeff? Yeah. James. James. Okay. Yeah, James. James. <laughs> I, was there, I was there yesterday. I yeah. want to bring three WNBA players. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the summer I'll have all the Sixers here. And yeah. then the Long Island Nets. Yeah. And then the Knicks gonna be here. So <laughs> at that point, by like and that's what I mean, I'm at a frequency so fast yeah. that when the energies it. align and the objectives yeah. align and we're also in a weird place. Remember the prohibition in the twenties when they like made alcohol illegal? Yeah. And right now, like showing your face in public's illegal. It yeah. forces the real entrepreneurs to get real creative. You know, so yeah. like we're losing a lot of real estate because people can't afford New York, can't afford California. Young people are now more entrepreneurs than I work in nine to fives. Desk jobs are obsolete. You're working from home, you know, but how do you connect people? 
you know, you do small things. You do now like lounges and smaller venues. Yeah. You don't have Stuff big like masses that. no more. So yeah. we're kind of like uh, bootleggers during the prohibition right mm-hmm. now. And I really enjoy because I'm a Renaissance man. So yeah. you know, it's been a great experience. Yeah, nah, it's been it's amazing fun, talking to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Definitely. Um, let people know where to find you at. I know you shout out the, out the yeah, website. Yeah. So right now, like, yeah, it's, it's a brand now, Span Incorporated. My brand is run by you know Loli Gomez, who is a commercial realtor in California, with the San Diego State where Kawhi went. You know, and, and she's developing at a rapid rate. And I have Elon Evans up in Toronto where Danny was at. So, you know, Elon's my, my tech guy. And I have, uh, you know, a bunch of women under us. And, and I collaborate and I align with a lot of people. No one works for me. I work for no one. We work for each other's dreams. I work for your dreams. You work for mine. And I believe in barter. You know, money's part of the business, but passion is more important than money. Because yeah, the biggest thing sure, is time. For sure. And if I can sit down and say, what's more important to you? Spending time with grandma, spending time with your parents, going on vacation with your girl, we got to buy our time back. Yeah. And we get real creative mm-hmm. on some poker games. We buy our time faster. Now we're able to delegate our tasks, empower more young kids, let them run the show. I'm 35 now. I can't. I'm not 14 anymore. <laughs> I love, you know, three weeks of rest and then come back strong for a quarter and then four weeks of rest, come back strong for half a quarter. End of the year, we're enjoying the fourth quarter in Bali somewhere. <laughs> and we're building the business to scale because we're empowering the people with passion. So uh, I'm excited to see where you go, man. Of course, man. Nah, for yep. sure, man. Instagram is span underscore inc. So S P A N N underscore I N C. Uh, Page is ran by the brand. So if people reach out with uh, ideas, if they have a budget, you know. Yeah. And then um 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 the sp- the website is www.spaninc.com. So S P A N N I N C dot com. And uh, you'll see us in Slam Magazine with our article, and and you'll also see us in Newsday pretty soon with our our partnership with the Long Island Nets, and we're really excited to. Kind of snatch Long Island back and do some special things. Amazing, nice. man. Yeah. Well, we wish you all the best, man. Definitely hope to see yeah. you again soon. I appreciate it. I'll Thanks, be in a float man. tomorrow, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you real soon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, My man. All right.